Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to the Daily Daf Differently. I am Miriam Simmel-Lofish, and today we're studying Tractate Sukkah, Daf Mem Aleph, page 41. There's developed a practice for synagogues to purchase a set of the Arba Minim, four species, on Sukkot, so that if its members cannot purchase their own Lulavim and Etrogim, they will still be able to fulfill the obligation of taking Lulav and Etrog on Sukkot. The second Mishnah on the Daf today seems to call this practice into question. Yom Tov HaRishon Shel Chag when the first day of Sukkot falls on Shabbat, the whole nation brings their lulavim to the synagogue before Shabbat. The next day, after bringing their Lulavim to the shul, they would get up and head over to the synagogue. Each person would pick up their own set of four species because of the principle that one may not fulfill her obligation with someone else's Lulav on the first day. On all the other days, however, this is allowed. From this Mishnah, it would seem that, at least on the first day, the only way to fulfill the obligation is through the purchase of a personal love, rendering the practice of shared lulavim an odd one. However, our Sudyat Talmudic discussion undermines the force of this requirement. Gemara begins its exploration of this rule by seeking a biblical source for the principle in our Mishnah that each person must own the lulav used to fulfill the obligation. It finds the answer in a Brightus commentary on the requirement to take the four species in Leviticus 2340. And you shall take for you on the first day the fruit of goodly trees, branches of palm trees, and boughs of thick trees, and willows of the brook, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God seven days. The rabbis pick up on the phrase, you must take for you. The verse first says, you must take. The plural here teaches us that the taking of lulav should be in the hands of each and every person, says the Brita. But then the verse adds a seemingly redundant Lachem, to you. Plural. The repetition of the second person plural indicates that the love should actually be yours. It comes to exclude a love borrowed or stolen from somebody else. Since this redundant phrase is used only in reference to the first day, the obligation does not extend to the rest of the holiday. Thus far, the ruling of the Brita resonates with our Mishnah. 
But now we get a twist. This is why the rabbi said, a person doesn't fulfill her obligation in the love and etrog on the first day of Sugat with the lulav of her friend, unless she has been given the lulav as a gift. This unless is a huge caveat. If I give my friend my lulav as a gift, she may fulfill her obligation to take unto herself the four species, even on the first day. Knowing that this caveat is innovative, the Brayta continues with a story in which prominent rabbis follow this very ruling. Rabbi Daniel, Rabbi Yeshua, Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah, Rabbi Akiva were coming on a boat, and Rabbi Gamliel happened to be the only one with a lulav. He had purchased this lulav for a thousand zoos, the story tells us, which is the equivalent of 500 goats, if we listen to the price in Hadgad, yeah? Or an average salary for five years. He performed the ritual of the lulav, fulfilling his obligation, and then he gave his lulav and a trug as a gift to Rabbi Yoshua, who fulfilled his obligation, and then gave it as a gift to Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah, who fulfilled his obligation, and gave it as a gift to Rabbi Akiva, who finally returned it to Rabbi Andalia. Gemara notes the apparent irrelevance of the statement that Rabbi Akiva returned the etrog to Rabbi Gamliel and explains that this statement in fact highlights the incredible scope of this permission. Despite the fact that Rabbi Gamliel's gift was conditional and contingent upon the lulav's return, it was still deemed a gift and not a loan. Matana alinat lachzir shma matana. Rather, a 4th century Amara, even turns this teaching into a lachic principle, stating that if you give someone a lulav and etrog as a conditional gift, only by returning it to you does the borrower truly fulfill the mitzvah of taking lulav and etrog on Sukkot. While this story and Rava's ruling certainly show prominent rabbis giving each other lulav and etrog as a gift, we might be left a little unsettled. Isn't giving a gift conditional upon its return the same as lending? Why go to such pains to deem borrowing conditional gift giving, thereby getting around the obligation of each person to own a lulav and a drug? In Midrash in Midrash Tanchuma, MR 26, might illustrate what is really going on with the requirement to own the lulav and a drug and why gift-giving might be an okay workaround. The Midrash states, Kartem lachem, belekicha shalota he gozel veomedbo, benimta sanegoro nasa kategoro. Regarding lekicha, taking, you should not steal and stand with your stolen lulav, your defender, thereby becoming your accuser. The Midrash illustrates this adage with a parable. 
A king's messenger goes to collect taxes from the king's subjects. After the collection, someone, Robin Hood fashion, steals what he's collected. Later on, the thief is called to the king's court and seeks a defense attorney. The tax collector offers his services, provided that the thief returns what he has stolen. He does so, but when asked by the king's court what the tax collector has to say in defense of the thief, he says, This man stole from me and returned what he stole on condition that I testify for him. Anyone who heard this story said, Woe to that man whose defender became his accuser. While the parable's full import and relationship to our ruling is oblique, perhaps the Midrash gives us a clue as to what the obligation to own a lulav is about. A central component of the holiday is asking for God's salvation. Sukkot follows the Amim Noraim, the days of awe, in which we repent and hope that God will pardon our sins. Sukkot concludes this period, but instead of asking God for salvation based on our merits, Sukkot is a plea for unconditional salvation, regardless of our merits, simply because of the relationship between us, God, and the natural world, we should be saved. According to this Midrash, bringing the lulav in a trunk is an offering of sorts. I bring before God these living, vital objects, this life as a representative of all life. Please save me so that I can work to tend your earth and bring before you more life. If I, on the other hand, steal the lulav, it in fact serves the opposite purpose. Instead of testifying to my merits, the lulav I stole represents me as an abhorrent creature unworthy of salvation. Not only have I not participated in the act of bringing life into the world, I've stopped someone else from doing so. The ability to give and to receive a lulav as a gift, on the other hand, reflects my participation in the give and take of human society. Borrowing a lulav is not the same as stealing it, but only because we humans have agreed to mutual understanding that willingness to give and to receive, to barter, to exchange, is what allows human society to be more productive than if we were all attempting to go it alone. It is a value for us to help each other fulfill religious obligations and together petition God for communal salvation. Have a great day. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epichorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.